Holy Spirit, we just need your help this morning. I need your help this morning. You're welcome in this place. We long to hear from heaven. The year was 1958. Australia was just uh, coming out of the, the glow of the 56 Olympics, seeing as we're talking Olympics this morning, where records had been set and broken. And in uh, Sydney's North Shore, uh, a second son was born to a, a couple on the upper North Shore of Sydney. This young boy attended church every Sunday, never missed, never missed a beat, not even in holidays, publicly gave his life to the Lord at 12, and then uh, faithfully lived out as best he could as a young man in Sydney, even at that time, his Christian faith. And at 22, he fell in love with a, a beautiful young Christian woman, and they married and began a new life together. And faithfully attended church, week in and week out. Did all the right Christian things. Helped on the church fate. Helped on the, on the morning tea roster. Even went to couples club and led the sing-along on a Sunday night. But there was something profoundly missing in their lives. Even though they had, by this stage, a couple of wonderful children. There was something strangely and yet um, powerfully missing in their life. What was it? Well, thank you for asking. It was the power of God spoken of right through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And at 28, uh, 31 and 28 respectively, these two Christian people met the, the one the Bible refers to as the Holy Spirit. And their lives have never been the same ever since. You're looking at that young man this morning, although he is a little older. So I want to talk to you this morning about people of power. If you want a title, it's called People of Power. I believe there's a stirring going on right across the face of the earth. And the Lord is inviting us afresh into co-laboring with him to see an end time harvest. The likes of which this planet has never seen. It's a big statement, yes, but why else are we here? Why else are we here? You see, when we're touched by the love, the grace and the power of God, our lives, I believe, should be different. They should be changed. Jesus said, by this, all men know well, that you are my disciples. Well, what's the this? It's love, isn't it? Not by your denomination or anything else, but by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Key word there, disciples. What does a disciple do? He does what the discipler says. Does he not? Does she not? That a disciple does what the master says. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. Let me just say to those uh, watching online this morning, I think it's that camera back there, that if, uh, if you're within driving distance of this church, and you're at home and there's no medical reason why you shouldn't be here, then can I encourage you to come? You see, iron sharpens iron, but iron can only sharpen iron when it rubs up against another piece of iron. If you're in San Diego, I understand it's too far to come. 
But if you're here in this city and you can get here and you're part of this church, please come back because we need you and you need us. We miss you and hopefully you miss us. You've got to step past. I know it's convenient at home. We had months of that last year, but I missed all of you. There's something about being together with God's people. So don't let convenience watching a service online in your pyjamas with your third cup of coffee. Don't let that stop you from coming and contributing to the work of the Lord here. You know, the Syrophoenician woman, it would have been convenient for her to stay at home. But her daughter was demonised and it was inconvenient. She pushed through even offence, if you like, the way the Lord spoke to her. Read it for yourself. I'm happy to just get the crumbs. She pushed through the inconvenience. She didn't stay in a convenient place. She pushed through it. And the Bible says her daughter was delivered of that demon at that very hour. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4, my speech and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with what? A demonstration, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that... Your faith, your faith and mine wouldn't rest on man's wisdom. To rest there means to settle or to to stay. That it wouldn't rest or settle on man's wisdom, but on the power of God. Hallelujah. On God's power, his dunamis, the explosive, yoke-breaking, captive-setting-free presence of the Holy Spirit. If you're needing a miracle this morning, don't rely on human wisdom. Rely on the power of God. He won't disappoint you. See, I, perhaps, I believe perhaps we've become a, a, a little too, um, what's the word? Sophisticated. Or maybe consumerist in our approach to the kingdom. We want revival, but it's on our terms, on our timetable. We don't want mess. We don't want the, the mess that sometimes the Holy Spirit can bring. I've just finished reading, and it's not the, the, the basis of my message this morning, but I reread R.T. Kendall's book, Holy Fire, just recently. And here's a man who trained as a, an, in the Nazarene faith, who are basically cessationists. They don't believe in the things of the Spirit. And yet he, there was a stirring in his heart that there had to be more in God. A, a, a learned theologian who decided one morning on his one-hour drive to his lectures that he was going to not listen to the radio, but he was going to spend it in prayer. And as he prayed and prayed and prayed, he found himself starting to cry because something was stirring in his heart. And at that point, left-hand drive car, he noticed Jesus sitting in the the right-hand seat was an open vision, if you like. How many know a man with an argument is no match for a man with a testimony? So this is his testimony. You can take it or leave it, but this is his testimony. And he's in the car, and here's Jesus. And the sense he had, he didn't hear any words, but he sensed that Jesus was interceding for him to the Father. And he said, I felt so undone, I felt as if he was suffering with anxiety and that's why he he was hungering for more of God because his theology and all his lectures and all of the 
intellectualism was doing nothing to, to, to uh, remove this anxiety that was a chronic thing in his life. So here he is in the car with Jesus sitting in the right seat, interceding for the Father, to the Father for him. And he says words to this effect, and I'm paraphrasing it. Jesus says to the Father, he really wants it, and the Father says he can have it. And at that point, a holy fire hit his chest, and he was forever changed. He was forever changed. He went, he arrived at his destination at the Bible college and immediately people saw him and recognised there was something different. Something profoundly different in this theologian. What is it that you've got? We don't believe in it, but what is it that you've got? He goes on to say in this book, I could not make this happen. I only know how I yearned for a closer walk with God and he had had imparted to me a desire for more of him. The Holy Spirit reaching the heart of men and women through the word is essential, he says. But there is more to be had. He quotes, I quote him, Either we believe God the Holy Spirit is alive and well, or our Trinity is merely God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Bible. He's a learned theologian who had to change his theology because he'd encountered God the Holy Spirit. Not just heard about him, but encountered him with a holy fire in his chest. He's not the only one that's had to do that. So what do I mean by revival? Well, I believe for my definition this morning for our purposes, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the likes of which we've never seen that changes us and indeed changes the society in which we live. A cursory study of past revivals. We we could pick anyone, but one I've just honed in on this morning. The Welsh revival in the early 1900s. In a 12-month period, folks, over 100,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. That's 2,000 a week. That's busy new Christians classes. Imagine 2,000 people a week streaming in to be discipled. Prostitution all but ceased. The pubs closed because no one was going to them. The courts had no cases to try because crime disappeared. The mules mules in the mines had to be retrained because they no longer responded to the clean language that the miners had. They'd only known how to respond to profanity before. That's amazing. A mule. Why? Because the society had a new appreciation for the holiness of God. And I believe he's calling us to a new level of commitment and devotion. Not not striving, not trying to work anything up. A new level of commitment and devotion. No more apathy, complacency or lukewarm Christianity. Time is short. And there's work to do. How many know we need a revival? And before I go any further, just so we're all clear this morning, I'm not here to offend anybody, but I love this quote from George Whitfield, 18th century Anglican minister. He said this, It's a poor sermon that gives no offence, <laughs> that neither makes the hearer displeased with himself nor with the preacher. In other words, we'll either be offended at ourselves and walk away changed, or we'll be offended with the preacher and walk away unchanged. Hopefully it's the former and not the latter you experience today. But having said that, my purpose here is not to just give you a whole lot of knowledge. 
I never want to go home from church having, an having had an intellectual exercise. I want to go home empowered, equipped, and more inspired to be like Jesus and do his works than I was when I arrived because he's commanded us the works to do. People of power, not a denomination, not even a style of worship and not even about necessarily speaking in tongues, but people so marked with the Holy Spirit of God, they are infectiously contagious, infectiously contagious with him at work in their lives. We live in a dark and fallen world. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Are they not the days in which we live? We're passing laws right across this land that 10 years ago we would have laughed at and said, not in my lifetime, and yet they're being passed. These are the days in which we live. But the good news this morning is Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But the full stop doesn't go there, folks. He says, fear not or take heart. I have overcome the world. So what's happening in our world today, of which we are bombarded, or with which we are bombarded, none of it is a surprise to him. And he still has a plan. His ways, praise the Lord, are higher than ours. Let me also remind each of us here this morning that we're here for such a time as this. We could have been born in the Middle Ages and be running around with battle axes and spears and javelins and horses with armour on them. But we're not, are we? We're alive now, which means in my way of thinking, he's got things for us to do here in the 21st century. To be effective in the kingdom of God, we must have, we must have, we must have the power of God working in our lives. Trust me, I tried it for half my life. It was boring, dull, and it was hard work. And there was no fruit. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Corrie Ten Boom says. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. How many can relate to that? Don't raise your hand. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Hallelujah. How else... Without the power of God, how else could you have a lady present to your healing rooms in a wheelchair to have her legs amputated in about a fortnight's time because she has a vascular issue in the lower part of her legs that is beyond medical treatment? How else can you change anything in her life except through the power of God? Excuse me, I've got dry mouth. The lady came back a couple of months later. And the reason it sticks in my mind is because the first time she came, she was in a military uniform in the wheelchair. I'm just coming to get some prayer because I have to have this surgery. They're going to amputate either just above or below the knee. Both legs. Came back three months, I think, later, something like that. Walked in. In civvies, no uniform. Oh, do you remember me? I was the one who came here. I was going to have my legs amputated. But I had prayer here and the Lord healed me. And I don't, didn't have to have my legs amputated. Well, what about the young man who came in and he'd had three months 
let me say it again, three months of chronic diarrhoea. Three hours of chronic diarrhoea is more, more than enough for me. <laughs> three months of chronic diarrhoea. He had prayer, rang us the next day to say, all the symptoms are gone, I'm completely well. Well, what about the lady who came and in four visits? Four visits. The Lord did something spe spectacular and um, significant in each of those four, four visits. And her testimony records in, talk about left brain, goodness me, this lady gave detail about what the Lord did in her, this part of her brain, this part of her brain. We have the testimony there and there's four different things he did on four occasions. And all the symptoms of her PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, were completely gone. You can get excited, it's okay. I'm giving you permission to get excited in this Pentecostal church this morning. Her PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, was now a powerful testimony of salvation and deliverance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or the lady who came in with, on crutches with several bones broken in her foot. Her foot was black and blue, badly bruised. She had prayer. She walked out without crutches, but her foot was still black and blue. And she was still in some pain. It wasn't an instant healing. But in the shower the next morning, she noticed her foot was completely pink. And all of the pain had gone. All of the bruising had disappeared. Have you ever bruised your foot and had it disappear overnight? I never have. How can you do that, folks? You can't do it through cleverly crafted prayers. Or even 17 years experience in praying for the ill and injured. It is only by the power of God. That lady got out of the shower, got dressed and went and did 45 minutes on her treadmill. You can't do that with broken bones in your foot. Trust me, I've had broken bones in my foot. So I had a call earlier for those to stand who had sickness in your body. Let me at this point just say there's a place just over there, that you can come four times a week and experience some of what these people have experienced. That's just a handful of testimonies. We have hundreds of them. And it's not about any of our team. It's not about Martin and Roz. It's about the Lord Jesus healing people and doing what he's always done since he said, let there be light. He's not stopped creating. He's not stopped restoring. And he's not stopped doing miracles. Here it is, folks. Don't fall for the... Uh, I don't know what it is. Don't fall for the myth or the whatever it is. I'll find a word maybe in the second service. <laughs> don't fall for the furphy. Oh, well, I might just get prayed for by vision people. We have nearly 40 people on our team and from all different churches. So you may get something, somebody completely different that you don't know. Maybe he'll use the foolish to confound the wise. These testimonies are not possible without the power of God. It's the power of God that saves, transforms, delivers and heals. Paul, talking to the Romans, says, I'm not afraid of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? The power of God unto salvation. Salvation there is not the word sozo, it's another word, soteria. It means completeness, it means deliverance, it means safety. Different word. Jesus instructed, it wasn't a, a suggestion. 
He instructed his disciples, and by implication you and me, not to do any ministry without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Let, remind you, let me remind you this morning that he did no ministry without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I would venture to suggest that the water at the wedding in, in Cana would have remained as such had he not ha had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the bride and the bridegroom would have been embarrassed, let alone the host's for that evening. Jesus' final instructions were to go and make disciples of all nations. So who says we get to choose whether we're going to be obedient to the commission or not? Jesus said go, not wait till you get all your stuff in a row, ducks in a row, get your house paid off and get the kids off to school. No, he said go, go and make disciples of all nations. We heard we heard some weeks ago the response to Peter's powerful sermon at Pentecost. Let's just hit the pause button there. What was it? Here's 120 people up in an upper room. What was it that drew a multitude, a massive crowd, to that event? Not a trick question. It was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, let's just put ourselves in the story. Here we are in Fishwick this morning. It must have been a pretty loud noise to get people even from Simonston or Narrabunda, let alone Gungalan or Banks. But they came from all over, the Bible says. So much so that 3,000 said, I want to be part of this new church that's starting today. That's a pretty, pretty big sound, folks. Drew them from all over. And then, of course, what else that sealed it was them hearing the gospel preached in their own language. What was the result? Well, they were cut to the heart. The Bible says, though, what must we do to be saved? Everyone. I looked up what the word everyone means. Guess what it means? Everyone. Was filled with awe. Was filled with awe. What's awe? Reverence for the Lord. Many signs and wonders and miraculous things were done. Are you getting this this morning? Good. Pentecost was an event in time, but I believe its effects should be lifelong and everlasting until Jesus comes or we go to meet with him. People of power, I believe, should display the attributes of the Holy Spirit that he brings into our life, not for a show or to say, oh, gee, that was a great meeting, but out there where the rubber hits the road from Monday to Saturday. Acts 5.12 says, Through the hands of the apostles... Many signs and wonders were done among the people. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added. Wouldn't you love to have believers increasingly added to their number? Multitudes, here it is again, folks, multitudes of men and women. I looked up that word this morning, multitudes. It's a word that I won't try and pronounce in Greek, but it's, it, it's, it's one that we get the word, our word plethora from. A multitude, many, many, many people. A multitude, verse 16, gathered from the surrounding cities, maybe from Goulburn or Cooma, bringing sick people and all those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Hallelujah. There are many people in this city where we call home who are tormented by evil spirits, about which medication, New Age mumbo-jumbo, 
alternate medicines and all other manner of things that have been tried can do nothing. It is the power of God that is required to free someone from demonic infestation. They need the power of God. This city needs the power of God. And his people, that's you and me folks, are the ones who get to deliver it because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. That's good news this morning. People of power. You see, you will require, you will require the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit to set a tormented person free from demonic infestation. It won't just be possible with sound and accurate theology. That's necessary, but without the power of God, don't think you can do anything with the demonic. That's why Jesus gave us power and authority before the cross and again after the cross. Remember Luke 9, I give you power and authority to heal the sick and to drive out demons. Yes, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, early in Luke 9. After the, the resurrection, before he went back to be with the Father, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. He then delegated that authority to, to us, and then the power was reinstituted at Pentecost. But again, it's not a, an event that we look back to and we do. Wasn't that a wonderful thing? That it should be alive and well in our lives today. I mentioned in the introduction a power encounter with the Holy Spirit in 1989 that seriously rocked our world and was reminded in preparing this it was to a Pentecostal church we were called in the year 2000. 20 years we've been here. In fact, these were the Lord's exact words to me. Not in an audible voice, but if I've ever heard his voice, this is the time. Because we had to decide while I was thinking, can anything good come out of Canberra? <laughs> I had to get confirmation that we, could, we should pack up everything that we knew and loved and move to this strange distant city. These were his words. You will experience things, and I quote, there's no evangelistic in here, you will experience things in my kingdom you have never seen before when you go to Canberra. Now I thought, this, hear this in the spirit it's given, I thought I'd seen it all. We'd seen the power of God move. We'd seen all sorts of things. But we weren't here two weeks, friends, this morning. And we were seeing and experiencing, not just witnessing from afar, but experiencing the power of God, the likes of which I had never experienced in 40-something years. Hallelujah. And it's ruined us for anything else. Ruined us for the mundane. So let's bring this to a close. I believe people of power should be attracting others to the kingdom with humility, integrity, and joy. The end of Acts 13, 49 says this, The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. When we, as his disciples, are doing the works he's commanded us to do, we should be full of joy and the Holy Spirit. So let me ask this question. Please don't raise your hand. Do others outside these four walls witness the power of God in your life or the evidence of religion? The first is attractive, the second is toxic, boring and cruel. 
Do they see Sunday Christians who go through the motions for an hour or so and then get on with their normal lives? Or people of power demonstrating in a very naturally supernatural way his love, his grace, his mercy and his power? Right through the New Testament, we see the Lord enabling his people to do the works that he'd commanded them to do, but then backing it up with signs, wonders and miracles. Who enabled them? Well, it was the Holy Spirit, in case you'd missed that this morning. Oh, it's not all about signs and wonders. No, it's not. But if there's no signs, you've got to wonder. If there's no signs, you've got to wonder what gospel it is you've been listening to and what gospel it is that is being preached and what gospel it is you actually believe. Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. There's no two ways about it. So perhaps this morning, perhaps this morning, You're tired of just going through the motions. Perhaps this morning you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this morning you just need the fire in your chest like R.T. Kendall got many years ago. Then I'm simply going to invite you to stand right now as we bring this to an end. Yeah, someone can come and just play the keys. That would be lovely. I'm going to get us to do something really radical this morning. If you want a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come and just stand down the front here. You see, you've got to sometimes take a step of faith. You've got to sometimes just get out of your comfort zone and come and receive. There we are. He loves hungry and thirsty people. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Plenty of room here at the front. Spread out right round the side here. Make room for the others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And again, just so, that, just so that none of you are resting on man's wisdom or Martin's wisdom, Martin's not going to come and lay hands on you this morning. We're just going to believe and trust the Holy Spirit to come. So then no one can say, oh, well, your hands were hot or your hands were cold or I felt the anointing. No, you're going to feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. People are weeping here at the front. If you're watching at home, then just get on your knees before the television screen. Do something that's inconvenient for you this morning, that you would step out of your comfort zone. So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Come and touch these precious ones this morning with your fresh holy fire. There it is. Thank you, Lord. People are weeping here. Holy Spirit's present. People are shaking. Thank you, Lord. It's not about manifestations, but we should be able to see the Spirit at work. Thank you, Lord. Come and refresh. Come and fill. We're not full till we're overflowing. Thank you, Lord. 
fresh fire in your people this morning. There we are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come. Come and touch us. Thank you, Lord. We need your presence, Holy Spirit. We need your empowerment afresh because we leak. And when we get older, we get comfortable and we want to, you know, thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything decays. It's just, just the way it is. Paul knew that, even though it hadn't been discovered. When he said to Timothy, stir up the gift within you. So we stir up the gifts within us this morning, Holy Spirit. Release the prophetic afresh in your people this morning. Release these people to heal the sick, to do the works of Jesus. Jesus, you said, when you go, tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the devils. You freely receive, now freely give. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord, more of your presence. We need your fire. Fill us afresh with joy this morning. Joy unspeakable. The joy of the Lord is to be our strength. That's why the enemy works so hard to rob us of our joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that many of these are going to go home today changed like we were in 1989. Ruin them for the mundane, Lord. Ruin them for the boring and the ordinary, we pray. Put a fire in their bellies today. Let us see signs and wonders, Lord. Not that we get the credit, but that Jesus would be glorified. Release miracles here this morning, Lord. For the glory of the name of Jesus. Surprise us with your presence afresh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's always more with you. There's always more. receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. People are weeping here. Thank you for your presence. May you, uh, may you just go from this place today fully aware of his powerful, life-changing, liberating presence. And may it just grow and explode within you today. I bless you with the love of the Father, with the enabling power of Jesus, his mighty grace, and with the abiding presence of his Holy Spirit. 